0: Technology Truths. Brought to you by Geico. Technology Truths. Truth. You think you can solve any problem by turning your computer off and on. Hey man, is
1: something wrong with your laptop? Nah, I just need to turn it off and on. It's no problem. It's smoking. Yeah, that just means it needs to reboot. Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car
0: insurance at geico.com. And now it's on fire. Happens all the time. It's all good. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
1: The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use. But parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is a toxic poison that can rewire teens' brains. Two, it can increase mood swings. Three, it can limit attention and learning. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more.
2: and do my thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want to get into it, man, you know. Uh-huh. Like, I, you know I'm the man, don't you? Uh-huh. Can I count it off?
3: Uh-huh. One, two, three, four... Listening to the Church Politics podcast with Michael Ware and Justin Gibbons, where you can get in-depth political analysis from a Christian worldview. Transcend partisanship and political ideology with us as we seek true discipleship in the public square.
0: This is the Church Politics podcast. Uh, uh, Justin, uh, it's it's good to be with you. I've been thinking this week, as I have in other weeks. You know, we try and tell people uh, that you can't understand the news without understanding the role faith plays in it and this week was certainly one of those weeks Uh, how are you how are you doing after uh, after uh, so much uh, craziness so much history it it was really
1: the Home Depot is making it easy to turn your favorite moment into the perfect color for any room with the project color app upload any image then discover the colors and paint to match now you're a swipe and a click closer to everything you need for your next project. Explore the most popular colors and trending palettes to find your perfect paint. Get a colorful new experience with the Project Color app, then shop our best brands with gallons starting from just $25.97 at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only see store for details.
3: Interesting week. <laughs> yeah, it was a great week for us in regard to having a lot to talk about. Uh so I'm I'm ready to get into this conversation. As you mentioned, faith played a huge role in many of the conversations that we're gonna have today for better and for worse. And so let's get to it.
0: Yeah, I think before we get to some of the uh some of those issues, I think we have to lead off with you know, real history that took place in uh between South and North Korea this week. Uh Kim Jong Un crossed the border. We saw a handshake that is, you know, potentially, you know, the most significant handshake, uh, in, uh, in foreign policy history since, uh, the Camp David Accords and, and Clinton brokering, uh, brokering, uh, the handshake between, uh, between Israel and Palestine's, uh, the Palestinian authorities leaders. Uh, and, you know, you read the quotes coming out of this this meeting where you have south koreans saying denuclearization is definitely possible uh the south south korea's leader suggested that president trump should be given the nobel peace prize uh crediting uh saying that uh trump deserves big credit um uh, and saying that north korea coming to the talks may have come from u.s led sanctions and pressure And so, you know, there was so much, again, last week was so interesting, the contrast that was happening between uh, some of the other news we'll talk about later that maybe wasn't the most uh, significant, Um, and then, you know, earth-shattering foreign policy news that, you know, just a year ago, six months ago, uh, people would have said, you know, wasn't possible. So uh, how have you been processing this news, and of course, we understand, and we'll talk a, a bit about, you know, there, there's a long road. North Korea is not really a a trustworthy actor, um, but uh, it, it was it was pretty amazing to see these shots.
3: Yeah, this was a historic moment. Uh, just how historic it was is is remain we, remains to be seen. Uh, we saw photos of the North Korean leader Kim and the South Korean leader Moon. Uh, hugging kissing and skipping down the road with uh, uh hand in hand uh, which is odd uh for representatives of two countries that have been embattled for decades but as we understand it their conversation went really well they had an agreement part of that agreement there are a few things that came along with that agreement number one uh, they agreed to remove all nuclear weapons from the korean peninsula that's a huge deal um uh, they agreed to officially end the Korean War, which started in 1950, uh, and also to resume reunions of families separated by the conflict. Now, if all those things happen, this is a truly historic moment, and everyone that was involved in making it happen deserves a lot of credit because uh, many of times uh, folks have failed to get this done. Uh, now, no details were fleshed out, and so that's what everyone is talking about, that this sounds good, and we like the... Uh, the agreement in principle, but we want to make sure that it's actually fle- fleshed out to be something substantive. And a lot of people are skeptical uh, because it's, it's really completely out of the character of Kim Jong-un. Uh, as you mentioned, he is not known for his cooperation. Uh, he's not known for his honesty and he's not known for keeping promises. And so some people are worried that this was just somewhat of a publicity stunt and, um, and that North Korea actually won't follow up on what they said they were going to do. Uh, some, someone else brought up the fact that this wasn't televised. And, uh, we know that Kim likes to, to kind of show off the things that he does. And so people are wondering if, if maybe he didn't televise it because he's not actually showing his people what's going on. So there's a lot of questions yet to be answered. National security advisor John Bolton, uh, was on the Sunday shows and he was saying that the Trump administration was hopeful, but that they're not naive, that they don't have enough information to be sure that Kim will actually give up his nukes. Um, but they do think that he is responding to some of the economic pressures and other pressures that have been placed on him from the United States and others. Uh, but he went on to say that de- denuclearization will be a condition for any U.S. concession. So as we come to the table, that's going to be something that we're demanding and they want to see real results and real evidence that that's actually going to a- actually going to happen. So we'll see what happens at this this meeting that we've been talking about between Kim and, and Trump, uh, they haven't announced the site of that yet, but I think the big question when it comes to this, this subject is, is Kim actually going to denuclearize and what's the definition of that for him? Right, right, right. Uh, what protection is he going to try to keep, uh, for the sake of the Korean people and the global community as a whole, I pray that this is real and we'll just have to see. Yeah.
0: And, uh, it, it looks like that in person, uh, summit between, between Trump, uh, Trump and, uh, and, and camp could, could it be in the next three to four weeks. And so, you know, there's been a, um, you know, from a, from a political standpoint, my initial reaction was, especially given all the craziness that happened last week, you know, why isn't the Trump White House, uh, uh, really, uh, claiming more credit for this just from a political standpoint um but i actually think it's you know again i think last week we were talking about their discipline regarding syria um you know this week i think um th- there's a level of message discipline on the national security side to uh let this play out to not claim credit for anything that hasn't actually happened yet uh and, and you, you know again I, I think there's i think we're seeing that uh maybe john kelly has a bit more influence when it comes to foreign policy uh and, and how things are communicated there but it's just very interesting to see and uh as he said justin we'll we'll continue to to pray for uh, uh pray for these meetings because it would be a significant for uh, the south koreans would be significant for the north koreans and and obviously the whole the whole region
3: yeah so we'll be watching closely uh but i would say in agreement with you that the, the Bolton kind of cautious, cautiously optimistic posture is probably the best one for right now. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, let's um, let's take a very quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the first bit of religious news, and that is uh, the firing of uh, the House chaplain, Pat Conroy. We'll be back after the break.
1: I love my family, I'm best friends with my dad. And then this 2016 election cycle came up and it really drove a wedge in between some of us.
2: Donald Trump's the first person that got us. He's the first person to actually at least pretend to give a damn about it. Check out Depolarize, the podcast that fights against tribalism and incivility by searching for common ground at the intersection of politics, psychology, and faith. This season, we look closely at the phenomenon of white evangelical support for Donald Trump and the many difficult related questions that are begging to be answered.
0: Two grown men picked him up, a 15 year old kid, and threw him as hard as they could off the hood of the car. Uh, and it's shocking. It's shocking. His whole, all his teeth came out.
1: Uh, he's bleeding all over the place. And they look. They look to us, right? They say, "You fucking, n- this is what happens to you." God isn't far away. God is with us now, here, now. Every moment matters. I
2: don't know why I'm crying. It just, it just hurts. Find Depolarize on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back at the Church Politics podcast. Uh, last week, uh, Speaker Ryan, uh, it was announced that he had uh, fired uh, House Chaplain Pat Conroy, who was beloved by at least some of uh, some of both Republican and Democratic members uh, of the House, uh, which kicked off, you know, a pretty fascinating uh, on a number of different levels, a pretty fascinating. Uh, series of events and and conversations. Uh, a a rumor was floated out that hasn't been really verified. Speaker Ryan contested uh, himself, but a rumor floated out that, uh, this was sort of, uh, retaliation for, uh, the House chaplain's uh, opening prayers becoming more and more political. So on November 6th, uh, right on the brink of, uh, the, big tax reform package he prayed. may their efforts these days guarantee that there are not winners and losers under new tax laws, but benefits balanced and shared by all Americans. Uh, and, and so some were pointing to that as, uh, and others like it as the reason why speaker, uh, Ryan let go of Pat Conroy, that his prayers were getting too, uh, uh too political, uh, others including uh mark walker from north carolina suggested it was because uh the the chaplain had no personal uh had no family experience uh of course as a as a catholic priest um uh, who, who's not allowed to uh, to to marry uh many uh catholics took that as a sign that uh that no catholic priest would be acceptable uh to mark walker who's a uh, influential uh uh member of the of the of the Republican caucus in the House from a from a religious perspective uh and so uh we had that we had the conversation about religious freedom and whether Catholics could be allowed to serve we had the question of the mixing of faith uh and politics from a position like the House chaplain uh it, it was it, it's just been fascinating and we're still seeing stories on it uh today as people try and suss out the facts and figure out what's going on here. Uh but the the last thing I'll say on this is that we've seen uh Republican members of the House who have sought uh Father Conroy as uh for for counsel, including Walter Jones from North Carolina, who is probably the sweetest uh most uh, uh sweetest man with the most integrity in the House, Democrat or Republican. He's just a wonderful guy. Uh he was he was pretty upset about this, but uh, even more conservative members like Jeff Fortenberry were saying, you know, that, that he had always been helped by Pat Conroy. And, and listeners, you may remember Pat Conroy as uh, the person who led the prayer, uh, at second base between Republicans and Democrats after, uh, after the, the congressional shooting that took place. And so, uh, th- that really put Pat Conroy sort of, uh, made people aware of him. Uh, J- Justin, uh, <laughs> It's been so fascinating to see Democrats dig in here, uh, and given everything that we've seen from the Democrats over the last, you know, I think four or six years. And, and, and really just the the, uh, uh, the the trend that's been happening in the party over the last several decades. Uh, what what do you make of, of all this? Do you, uh, do, do you have a problem with the firing of Pat Conroy?
3: It all depends on the motivation. Uh, and I don't know that we'll ever get to the bottom of what the motivation for the firing was. I mean, anytime you have a, refi- a, a retiring House speaker uh, firing a chaplain uh, right before the midterms, it's, it's, it's going to raise some questions. And so I completely understand those questions being raised. This actually the, 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 re- the resignation actually happened, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, or, you know, Conroy announced that he would be stepping down and no one really noticed. So there were there was like a lag in kind of the response. And then you have Dem- you have Democrat Representative Joe Crowley, uh, who tried to create a panel to investigate the firing. Uh That motion was tabled by Republicans, but it brought up this issue and kind of called all these things to question. Again, we have to look at why was he fired? If 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 Paul if if Paul Ryan fired him because of his prayer, specifically that prayer in regard to the, the tax, uh, plan, then that's problematic. Uh, that, that is a terrible move by, uh, Paul Ryan. And I hate that he would be leaving under such uh, a bad decision. Uh, and so I hope that wasn't, wasn't the case. He's saying that it, uh, the case was otherwise. And, you know, I'm not sure that we will ever know someone said that after that specific prayer, uh, Paul Ryan came up to him and said, Hey, you need to kind of leave the politics alone. I guess I can understand why he would be upset about that. And maybe at some to some extent, it would be in, uh, inappropriate if the prayers got a lot more uh, political. But for that one prayer, I think this would be a bit much interesting conversation. I hope that wasn't the the reason for it. But I do want to back up on the, the religious liberty conversation. Um I can see Democrats to some extent using this as a political tool themselves. And so if we want to talk about religious liberty, I'm not sure the party where it's at right now is in any position to have credibility in talking about that. You know, th- that's like someone in the Trump administration uh, talking about how many um, immigrants Obama, uh, you know, uh, that Obama sent back. You just don't have any credibility to have that real conversation. There were probably some very real relationships with Conroy, and I think people should stick to that. But to turn this into some kind of religious liberty conversation it could have been a very bad uh, dismissal or, or suggestion to resign, but I'm not sure the democratic party has any room to kind of question the religious side of it or, you know, whether c- Catholics can do this or that, especially when I'm listening in on these committee hearings and you're hearing these religious tests and all that stuff. So a, a conversation that needs to be had, I understand why the question is raised. I hope the decision wasn't made for uh, based on some of the allegations but let's 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 hold off and not make this overly political, especially when there's a lot more serious religious liberty issues that we're not addressing properly.
0: Well, right. It, it, it's been uh, it's been really interesting. You're seeing uh, reps like Marcy Kaptur, Dan Kildee, uh, Joe Crowley even really digging their heels in here. Uh, what folks who have been watching the hill and democratic caucus for a long time will realize is that, uh, especially in the case of Marcy captor, these are sort of the last, uh, the, the last sort of, uh, Catholic Dems standing, <laughs> uh, Marcy captor is a, is a pro-life, uh, Democrat. There used to be three, four dozen more like her just eight years ago. Uh, and so, you know, just as a, uh, as an observer of this, uh, watching it, uh, you just got a sense that, uh, for the first time in years, really, uh, uh, there was an opportunity for, for Democrats who take, uh, faith seriously, who have been sick of sort of getting bashed over the head on religious freedom stuff and all other sorts of problems as a, as their party has moved, uh, to the left on some of these questions. There was just a sense of release. So you know you could read any story on this and the likelihood is going to be that Marcy Captor has been quoted on it because she, she's just been uh there haven't been many other political opportunities like this that, that that's to speak to the politics uh and I do think the politics of of uh of 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 playing this up and being quoted in you know their hometown Marcy Captor's in Ohio I think Dan Kildee I believe is Michigan um, very Catholic areas, the, 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 politics of this is, uh, is, is salient and, and interesting and, and helpful for them. But, but I do, I, I want to agree with you, Justin, and I'd even but you, you know, if, uh, it's not a real, it, it, it's a different question around, you know, whether, uh, they're going to make a rule that the house chaplain has to be married, uh him or herself. That that could be a religious freedom tension, but it's not a religious. It's not necessarily a religious freedom, uh, uh infringement. If uh, if as the house chaplain, uh, so a nonpartisan role. If uh, if the the chaplains deemed as being too political in opening prayers, the the chaplain isn't isn't there to influence public policy debates, um, explicitly, uh, now, uh, and, and so, you know, I think that that is, that is probably, uh, a justifiable reason, uh, justifiable reason for, um, for a firing. But then to that, I'd say, you know, all Pat Conroy said was, May their efforts these days guarantee that there are not winners and losers under new tax laws, but benefits balanced and shared by all Americans. And there's kind of an implicit acknowledgement, uh, uh, if, if, uh, you know, if, if people, if Republicans were upset about Conroy saying that, there's kind of an implicit acknowledgement there that their tax reform didn't do that. <laughs> you, you know, it's not, it's not like he said, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we really ought to go with the, the Democrats package or we need to give more, uh, uh, tax breaks to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> I mean, he, he, all he said was we need to make sure that the new tax reform, uh, that there are not winners and losers and the benefits are balanced and shared by all Americans. Um, uh, and so that's why it, if you're upset by that, then maybe don't get mad at the chaplain. Maybe <laughs> reconsider your own <laughs> priorities and approach. If, Something like that is such an offense to the, the the bill you're pushing.
3: Yeah, like they used to say, a, a hit dog hollers, and so maybe he was feeling some type of way about his own, his own bill. Exactly- <laughs> but but I also say this: I think Democrats who are making hay over this had plenty of opportunities to, to step up on religious liberty conversation within their own party, where where it really would have mattered, and those voices uh, could have were needed at that time. And so stepping up when it's the other when the other party does something on an isolated incident dealing with one person who's a chaplain in the House. To me, that's that seems very political. And you're trying to jump on this issue. There was a mistake made by someone saying something about family. And now you want to make it about Catholic. I mean, give me a break. The guy's been here since, what, 2011? Um, And so nobody had a problem with him during that time. But there were plenty of opportunities for Democrats. Catholic or otherwise to step up and to have real conversations about religious liberty. I haven't seen too many of them doing it. And so I, I will take this seriously when it's done on an issue where they may have some political capital to, to lose or they're actually questioning the direction that our party is going. Yeah,
0: just to be clear, and I'd have to look back, uh, but Marcy Kaptur uh, pretty, pretty consistently, though not consistently enough for some, but pretty consistently votes for pro-life measures. She was a key voice uh pushing back against the contraception mandate in HHS. So so she's not exactly uh her and, and Kildee are not exactly new to this. There, there's just not uh as many of them uh anymore. And I think there is a sense uh that that they uh <laughs> they have to choose uh they have to choose their battles. I certainly have not seen Marcy Captor speak out against, for instance, the uh the 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 questioning that Amy Barrett received uh that we discussed on this podcast so i, I hear you i mean this is a hundred percent political i'm not i'm not pushing back uh, uh not pushing back on that i i do think it's it's smart politics for for these for these districts in in a in just a you know, practical practitioner sense and maybe it will even uh encourage them to be uh voices for uh faith and religious freedom in circumstances when it isn't so politically
3: advantageous to them. Um, with that, we'll take a break. No, yeah, next, that's partially. Oh, no, ahead. no, 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 please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. And, that, and that's partially my point. It's not to say that they've never stepped up or never said anything about it. But when I listen to guys like Cory Booker and others who are in these, and uh, in, 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 granted it's the Senate, but they're in right, these right, hearings right. and they're applying these religious tests. If you're really serious about religious liberty, you would have no choice but to step up and say, hey, that needs to stop. And mm-hmm. from somebody to do that within their own party even if those two just came together and made a statement or something like that would go a long way. So this seems somewhat opportunistic, not questioning uh, their entire, you know, their, um, uh, their honesty on, on every issue. But I think this seems just a little bit opportunistic. So let's head into Absolutely.
0: break. Let, let's go to break. When we get back, speaking of opportunistic, <laughs> we're going to talk Kanye when we get back, <laughs> this is the church politics podcast do you wear funny socks
2: most men do whether it's at the office or at the bar your socks are guaranteed to be a conversation starter society socks is a men's sock subscription company that sends two pairs of exclusively designed socks to your door every month these socks are made of warm soft and comfortable blend of combed cotton guaranteed to make you look well dressed but why are they called society socks socks are one of the most needed and least donated clothing items at homeless shelters Though Society Socks aims to change that. With every pair of socks purchased, another pair of socks is donated to a homeless shelter. Not only will your socks feel and look great, but you will be confident that you are making a positive change. With two surprise pairs of socks arriving to your door every month in your subscription, you'll begin to grow your sock collection. Try out our first month of a sock subscription at 50% off when you use the code OFFTHERECORD. Put an end to the boring socks and subscribe today.
0: We're back at the Church Politics podcast uh, and th- this this case that really captured a lot of attention last week the case of uh, Alfie Evans a terminally ill British toddler uh who really brought up uh, a, a lot of questions about sort of uh, end of life care medical ethics uh, the influence of religious institutions on sort of state decision making. Uh, Alfie died on Saturday morning, uh, five days after he was taken off life support. Um, for, for those who aren't aware, Alfie was 23 months old, had a rare uh, brain condition that his doctor said was inc- incurable. He had been at the Elder Hay Children's Hospital in Liverpool England for uh uh upwards of 450 460 uh days and so much more than you know uh, uh half of his life um and uh the there was a court ruling uh that determined that uh he should not uh, be given life sustaining uh care uh, and uh so there was a there was a fight to pull him off life support uh the vatican and italy got involved italy was uh said that they had a team of doctors on ready to care for alfie but uh but the hospital and the nhs the national health service in in the uk uh determined that that they would not let alfie's parents take him out of the hospital which raises all kinds of not just policy and ethical questions but you know strikes it the most personal uh J- justin uh I-, I think this is this is a, a a much more complicated case than a lot of the rhetoric we've seen it's also a very you know it's a very very tender one we're talking about a a, a, a sweet young life that that was you know in in the uh you know, at the eye, eye of the storm here, you know, in the, in the middle of all of these issues, there was this little boy. Um, how, how, how do you process some of the, some of this? And, um, and, and uh, do, do you think that, uh, NHS and, and elder, Hey, the hospital, do you think that they were, they were wrong to, uh, to prevent, uh, uh, Alfie's parents from, from taking him to Italy?
3: I do think the hospital and the, and the doctors and the courts in this uh, particular instance were wrong. Uh, as you mentioned, this particular matter pits parental authority versus th- state authority in deciding medical treatment for children. Um, basically where this comes from is that the, the British government in 1989, uh, passed a law called the Children's Act uh with this said that courts when deciding of whether someone a child should be taken off of ice support or you know whether there's, there's parental issues going on has to have the child's best interest in mind and what the courts did here was said that we're going to stick with what the uh the, the hospital said uh because we believe that they have the child's best interest in mind as if the parents didn't have the child's best interest in mind now something i think we need to keep in mind here is that Yes, he had a terminal disease. Uh, We've heard of instances where people had terminal diseases and were actually cured. Right. I think in the West, we have a tendency more and more to treat our doctors as some type of philosopher kings, as if because you have a doctorate and there are some great doctors who do great work. So I'm not taking anything away from that. But doctors, medical doctors don't get to decide everything about life. When it starts, yeah, when yeah, it yeah. ends, I'm not sure that they're, they're qualified to do that in all cases. However, in the West, we have given them that sort of authority. And I think that's a big mistake. I truly believe that when it comes to when a kid should be taken off of life support, when they should be taken off of ventilation, that is a question to be answered by the parents, uh, not the state. Uh, I do not think the state is um, the proper authority. I don't think I think they, that they have some other considerations that the parents might not have uh, that would put them in a situation to where they would be a lot quicker to pull the cord on someone than a family would be. And at the end of the day, it's the family that has to deal with the results of that. They have to deal with the loss. It is not the state. And so I question anyone who thinks the state is in a good position to make those kind of decisions. This was the wrong decision. I have no idea, and, and maybe someone can explain it to me how it is in the best interest of that child not to let the father take the child home, not to let the father and the the parents take the child over to Italy or or Munich and the other places that they were that they were looking at. That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the idea was that almost to let the child die with dignity or whatever, and there may some be some other th- things that were at play, but to not let parents take a child home. I, I hope we don't see that as normal. I hope we don't see that as acceptable because that brings up a whole lot of other questions that we have to deal with as a society. And so I think Western society is failing on issues like this. Um And here's something else I think it's important to bring up. This can be considered a very progressive way of dealing with this type of issue, whether it be parental authority, whether it be, you know, when someone, Uh, should be allowed to die or when somebody should be taken off of life support. And so I want all those people out there who think that something being called progressive or something being progressive is good. I want you to start thinking a little harder about that and understand that um, once we progress past things like parental rights, we may just be going in the wrong direction. And that we need to think a little harder than just the title or the uh, the kind of uh ph- philosophical thought where where a certain um, uh, decision comes from, because I think this is a bad decision. And I think this is where progressivism in the in Western society, especially, is really leading us in the wrong direction. And I think it's important for young people, especially Zennios, millennials, to start thinking a little bit uh, uh, more thoroughly about that issue and where we want to go with this and what it means to families who the life of their child is taken out of their hands. The time that they spend with that child is taken out of their hands. Who do we want to be and what should be the root of those types of type of decisions? I would say it should be the Bible. I would say it should be some, some more traditional norms, but we all have to answer that yeah, at some point.
0: I think your, your language there was really, really careful and good and your warnings, your cautions were, were appropriate. I think we've seen, uh, we, we've seen a lot of heated rhetoric around sort of referring to this as state-directed murder and uh, sort of all all of these uh, uh, sort of I think claims that mischaracterize the situation uh, uh, a bit. And we've seen Matthew Lee Anderson uh, write on this on his his medium blog, and I urge, urge people to check that out. Uh, also, Gracie Olmstead at the American Conservative has has written. Uh, some, some pretty interesting stuff around the ethics uh, around this case. Uh, but, but I get stuck at the same place you do, Justin, which is, um, s- certainly, uh, uh, hospitals within it, it, its, its rights at a certain point to, to not provide a, additional, uh, additional care. Um, uh, again, he was, he was in the hospital for, for over a a year, uh, uh, for for much over a year, uh, but but to but to then take control over that child, uh, to to go to court and have a court basically say, as you said, Justin, that uh, the hospital has the best interests of this child at, in mind and not uh, his parents. It, it does does lead us down a pretty dangerous. Uh, dangerous place Uh, you you know the other interesting thing and this is what gracie touches on uh in her article is that you know a case like this uh wouldn't have been possible you know 50 years ago or or, uh, a certain period ago i mean his life was being sustained uh through through artificial artificial means and so to think about uh about life uh about the who, who grants it? What, what does the right to life mean in a, in a case where we have, uh, technology that can extend people's life, uh, beyond its sort of natural limit? I, I'm not raising these questions because I have answers. I just think that we as a society are going to have to wrestle with, with, uh, uh, with the sort of increase of, you know, biomedical technology, uh, that will have us asking questions that we've never had to, to ask as a society, especially in places like the UK, where you have a a, a health system that is, uh, uh, that is a, a government system that that does have uh, sort of societal and government sort of um, uh, 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 leverage points and sort of controls on it. And so uh, th- this case was just, you know, heartbreaking to see that the, the pope uh, was sent to uh, uh, what was sent out several prayers for the family. The father met with Pope Francis, uh, for, for 20 minutes in a private hearing. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it was, it was an, an incredibly saddening kind of thing to see the world watch as, as this young boy, uh, fought for his
3: life. It was, it played out slowly. And, I, and I'll end with this. For people like myself who see themselves on more of the progressive end on a lot of political issues, it's important that we speak out on issues like this where progressivism gets out of line. Because when we speak out on issues like this, we have a little more credibility in the public square when we want to make other arguments. Right. Um, This is when 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 conservatives talk about the tyranny of the state (laughs) or the state going out of bounds or outside of its authority and their fear of that. This is what they're talking about. This is exactly what they're talking about. And if you don't want to give credence to those fears, then you need to step up and say something when things like this are going on to make it clear. That's not what I want. And I do understand where my side of the conversation can go too far. When you do that, it actually gives your other arguments, (laughs) Uh, more strength because you have more credibility. But if we stand quiet and don't say anything when this happens, it's problematic. And if you think nothing like this or close to this is going on in the United States, I think you're sorely mistaken. You can look at parental rights and how they go back and forth with the state when it comes to education and what certain states like California, uh, Massachusetts, what parents are entitled to know when it comes to issues like gender identity and all those things. Uh, Do they get to know the curriculum? Do they get to opt out of the curriculum? Do their does their child even have to come to them when they're feeling a certain way? Those aren't rights that everyone has, even in some places in the United States. And so for progressives who are Christians who want to have a intellectually honest conversation and want to have credibility with people outside of their uh, ideological space, you need to step up when things go too far And that's what makes our public square better when people can actually stand up and say, no, 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 my side is going a little too far. So think about doing that. It will help our discourse altogether. That's great. We're going to take a quick
0: break uh, and we'll be we'll be back soon. This is the church politics podcast. All right. We're back at the church politics podcast. And last week, even with uh, uh, North Korea news, even with everything that was going on uh, last week. At least for some of us, Uh, I venture to say uh, those of us who spend more time than we should on Twitter, which is not representative of the general public. The last week was the week of Kanye. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kanye tweeted a series of tweets uh, uh, expressing his support and love for President Trump, Uh, uh, perhaps most notably this one. Uh, he tweeted, you don't have to agree with Trump, but the mob can't make me not love him. We are both dragon energy. He is my brother. I love everyone. I don't agree with everyone. Every- I don't agree with everything anyone does. That, that's what makes us individuals and we have the right to independent thought. Donald Trump, uh, uh, tweeted, thank you, Kanye. Very cool. And there were, there was just a whole series of tweets. Well, I- I- I'm, I'm, I'm not going to walk through all, all of this mess, but it did ra- it did raise some really, I, I think, some questions that have been, uh, you know, bubbling up. Uh, and, and that is, you know, in these uh sort of uh, 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 Kanye was making a a a case that uh that he was the free thinker, that he was sort of the independent thinker, uh, and that everyone else had just sort of been been duped by the mob. Uh it, this uh just and what I found to be most fascinating about it was uh he was unfollowed Kanye was unfollowed by uh I believe over a million people including uh significant uh superstars <laughs> uh uh people uh big name artists unfollowed him sort of to I guess send a send a message that uh, these views were going to cost him. Uh, and so to see all of this, like peer pressure and, you know, signaling happen, uh, w- was, was fascinating. And then just, of course, you know, how it overtook the news cycle, just, uh, th- this case was the clearest to me that the media hasn't learned much from 2016, uh, that with everything else going on, uh, that so much of, The news coverage last week was was around, you know, some tweets by Kanye. Uh, But what do you think, Justin? Do you think do you think Kanye should be uh, should be thrown overboard?
3: (laughs) I think Kanye should be placed in jail for the rest of his life. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I honestly, your your response was perfect, and it was exactly my response. I laughed, I laughed because you have a rapper who was trolling everyone and too many people fell for it. I mean, this is what Kanye does. Like how, how this is what he does for publicity. He already told you that he just told us that he had a few albums coming out, one of his and others that he was producing from his label and all this other stuff. Kanye over and over has trolled (laughs) us, has, has done whatever he had to do to get publicity. And even if he was serious, I have no reason to right. take this seriously. And this is this is my problem. I mean, people are talking about this ruined my day, this ruined my week. I'm so mad. I mean, people, you could tell people were typing on their keyboards <laughs> real hard <laughs> on Twitter at, at, at Kanye West. And I'm like, why? I mean, how does this shape or change or do anything to right. the political landscape? What is the consequence of Kanye coming out and saying uh, Trump is my brother? I love him. If you laugh it off and look the other way and go about your business, it would have been nothing. Who cares if Trump retweets it? Re- Trump retweets a lot of stuff It's not changing anybody's opinion for real. And anybody's opinion who it did change, their opinion will probably change again within the next week or two. This had no real consequence. And so for people to be pulling out their hair, freaking out and, you know, just just saying all type of crazy stuff like this, changed the changed the game. And now the <laughs> midterms are up in the air and all this other stuff. Just just take a deep breath and, and laugh once in a while, man. Uh, a wise man once told me, well, not told me, but I heard a wise man said this wise man being show Baraka. He was on a Roland Martin show. He said there's a you know, you got to watch mixing your politics with entertainment. Uh, and I think this this is proof of that. That doesn't mean that an entertainer can't be seriously involved in politics. But when you mix the two all the time, you don't know what to take seriously and what not to take seriously. And this was an opportunity for us to laugh it off, go about our business and, and just move yeah. forward with a, with a laugh. Because I had, I don't, I, I just don't see why this was substantive enough for everyone to react the way that they did. If people want to unfollow him, absolutely go, go for it. But to act like this is something that we should really be talking about in the public square when we have other serious policy issues going on is ridiculous and i do think the media to your point has some responsibility for that because this just was not worth all the conversation
0: you know the last thing
3: i'll say on this is you know the thing that just hit me was
0: uh if you would have told me you know 10 years ago that you know kanye west was gonna be you know getting in big trouble for an opinion of his and you know that that opinion was you know his kind of like support for a republican (laughs) you know that out of all the things i could have imagined kanye west doing that would have got him in trouble that you know him tweeting support for the president whoever that president is uh it was just uh uh it 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 showed how how much the sort of uh the conversation has moved it also uh it indicated how how seriously people are taking sort of some of this sort of boundary policing and sort of making sure that everyone's kept, uh, in, in line in a way that I don't think is, uh, effectual. I don't think it's realistic. I think it actually incentivizes people to break outside of those and, and then reap rewards for it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we've, I, I don't know how much we should intellectually try and break this, break this down. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, think I was just, just going to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break. We're going to do a quick segment on a pretty interesting piece from Mitch Daniels. Uh, actually, uh, the former governor of uh, of Indiana and uh, president of Indiana University, uh, that actually touches on something that, Justin, you said uh, just uh, a segment or two ago. Uh, so we'll be back after this break for a quick segment on Mitch Daniels' Washington Post piece. This is the church politics podcast we're back at the church politics podcast and just to wrap up this week's episode uh we want to discuss this op-ed from mitch daniels this isn't sort of the first op-ed he's he's written i I believe probably in one of our you know first six or eight episodes justin we we discussed another op-ed he he had written uh but this one is in the washington post with with the headline, we won't know how foolish we look until a long time from now. And I just love this topic. I think it's really important. I think understanding this is what can undergird a return to uh, humility and civility in public discourse. Uh, uh, Justin, uh, you, you sent this over to me. You know, but what what caught your eye? What caught your eye about it?
3: Yeah, I was impressed by this article. And the thing that caught my eye really was the conversation about the fallacy of presentism. Um uh, I think he did a very Mitch Daniels did a very good job of talking about presentism. Now, presentism is basically when the values, mores and conventions of the present day are used to judge almost always harshly and sanctimoniously our predecessors. So it's us looking back and saying, wow, they were just dumb. How could they think that way? That's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Will Durant, as it's written in the article, wrote of the tendency for humankind at each point of the modern era to imagine that history is a straight line upward leading uh, to the us of the current day. Uh, and Mitch, Mitch Daniels said that we seem especially vulnerable to this conceit these days. And basically he's saying, you know, for us to always look at history and think that we're getting everything right or that we're getting things, everything better than they did. It's just a false way to look at that. And I think we see a lot of that uh, in modern day um, in, in this modern day, especially with some of the progressivism. And even as somebody who considers themselves, again, to be somewhat progressive, the idea that history is always leading to this uh, perfected state where, you know, humanity will somehow be perfected and we're always getting better. is just false. I mean, from a biblical standpoint, history is more cyclical where we gain things and we lose things. And just from a historical standpoint, that can't really be uh, justified uh, when we put it in, in the right view. Uh, And so I think it's, it's a conversation that we need to have more often. Now, I do want us to avoid making this up, making this a relativist argument too, uh, to say people should only be judged by their, you know, their moment in history. No, that's not, that's not right either. People should be judged by a standard that is timeless. And here's the beauty of Christianity It is a timeless standard that's applied to different days, uh, and different ages. But the standard and those principles, those Christian principles never change. We have a tendency to think that we only gain knowledge and gain wisdom and gain gain compassion over time. But again, that can't stand up to biblical or historical scrutiny. Uh, yes, we can gain things over time, but we can also lose wisdom. We can also lose compassion throughout the generations. There's certain wisdom that your grandparents had that you don't have right now and that you may never have. Uh, so the idea that we're always getting better and, and that we're always reaching to some type of perfection or utopia is something that should be very hard for Christians to believe. And even from a historical non-Christian perspective is really hard to prove in any significant way.
0: The most, you know, the thing that encapsulates what, what Mitch, uh, was, uh, talking about in this, in this piece was, you know, the, uh, the come on it's 2018 uh, kind of tweets you know something crazy happens in the news right. someone retweets it right. it's 2018 shouldn't we be past this already why isn't this taken care of as if you know the fact that you know we're, we're we're living in the year 2018 means that uh uh it has some sort of magical influence on on uh eradicating uh all kinds of problems and uh you know again i i just uh if we're able to keep in mind the fact that previous generations thought the same thing and thought that their actions were just as uh, right and justified and that history would look back on them with uh with with uh with with uh you know high esteem uh then th- that should hopefully if we have a certain level of humility and recognition that we're not the best people that have ever lived <laughs> we'll understand uh, that yes, we need to act, uh, now we have responsibility for the time in which we've lived, but to carry out that responsibility with some sense that we're, we're probably going to get some stuff wrong. And, and so, uh, especially when we get to politics to not treat each political battle, uh, as if it's, you know, this uh, fight between good and evil and this, uh, dictating the, the future of, Generations, obviously politics is important. That's why we do this podcast. Uh, but we don't have to look back too far in history to see decisions that were made for one purpose and one intention actually leading to the absolute op- opposite and having unintended consequences. And, and really the same people who made those decisions having to work for the rest of their lives to, to undo some of the harm that was done. We've seen that when it's come to war. We've seen that when it Has come to certain kinds of uh, criminal justice reforms that uh, and and law enforcement reforms, uh, and and so uh, having uh, being able to reject presentism uh, is so important to being being able to have a a healthy public discourse. Uh, Justin, do you have any any closing thoughts?
3: Yeah, just think about some of the things that people from the past might look at us and say, whoa, that's, that's a little crazy. I mean, we are a society that's dealing right. with a sex trade, right, right, right. a very serious sex trade that doesn't show any signs of flowing down. How does that happen in this sophisticated, enlightened generation? Something else is late term abortions. Would people see that as barbaric? How will people look at us in that regard? So it's also important for us to try to identify some of our blind spots and the places where rhetoric and narratives may be covering up atrocities all right
0: folks well uh, we covered uh quite a bit in this uh this episode uh we went to north korea uh we ended up in indiana uh and uh the the whole journey was was a was a good one we'll be back next week uh looking forward to being with you uh uh, this is the church politics podcast thank y'all
2: I'm grooving for the activists and graduates. I'm an advocate for the feeling abandonment. In the favelas and slums, together ghetto inhabitants, it's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The only thing good came out of Nazareth. This is the groove, tell me, it? Yeah. I'm scolding the ways of runaway slaves. I'm brave, I'm unchained. I'm Project Douglas with a
1: fade. You'll do it right to grow the best garden you can. Lowe's does it right too with savings on Miracle Grow Potting mix with fertilizer to help you get growing. And grow plants twice as big versus unfed plants. Pick up a 50-quart bag now for just $10. Plus, get Bonnie 2.32-quart vegetables and herbs, three for $10. For a garden that's worthy of showing off, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 6-5, while supplies last U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. You'll do it right to grow the best garden you can. Lowe's does it right too with savings on Miracle Grow potting mix with fertilizer to help you get growing. And grow plants twice as big versus unfed plants. Pick up a 50 quart bag now for just $10. Plus, get Bonnie 2.32 quart vegetables and herbs, three for $10. For a garden that's worthy of showing off, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 6 5 while supplies last US only, excludes Alaska and Hawaii.